0: Hey Jets fans, want $50 off your next round of drinks? Try TAPRM. They deliver the drinks right to your door so you can skip the lines and trips to the liquor store. Discover new and exclusive drinks or shop for your favorites. Don't worry, they've got all the options for you. Order your first round at TAPRM.com and get $50 off your first order using promo code JETS50. $50 off $100 a beer, not a bad deal. I would highly recommend it. I've done it. Connor's done it. Joe's gotten it. So Make sure you go to taprm.com, use promo code JETS50, skip the lines, and get $50 off your first $100 worth of beer. $100 in beer for $50, can't beat that. Now let's get into the pod. Right. Setting up, looking downfield. He's going to heave a bomb for Corey Davis at the goal line. Into the end zone. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. It's deflected and picked up He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. The New York Jets select... Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Cat, Cat, Cat. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm joined by a special guest today, Robbie Sabo of Jets X-Factor, co-founder of Pro Football Radio Association. Robbie, how are you doing today?
1: Well, thanks for having
0: me. Much appreciated. I'm excited we got it. we're coming we can do this pod after a win we were going to do it last week it would have been uh, would have been coming after a loss So at least we could do this after a win um, obviously the Jets beat the Texans uh, last Sunday 21-14 uh, Zach Wilson made his return the defense stepped up I think they held the Texans to just 25 yards in the second half so obviously nicer to talk after a win we'll get into the Eagles preview uh, pretty quickly but what were your initial takeaways uh, from Sunday's win and uh, Zach Wilson's performance overall
1: I mean, it was ugly. It's as ugly as it gets in the NFL. They bullied, credit LaFleur, credit the Jets offensive line. They bullied the Texans on the ground and especially off the edge. You know, there was a lot of stuff off the edge where, you know, Lovey, Lovey Smith just had no answer. I don't know what they were doing at times. I was pulling my hair out as a defensive guy at times as a defensive coach, but still credit the Jets, that run game set up everything. And also, credit LaFleur for allowing Wilson to try to make plays on first down. It's a critical thing, especially when your quarterback is just completely in his own head. And that's the thing with Zach right now. It's not, we've seen what he could do physical, you know, attribute wise, but it's all mental. It's all between the ears. How do you snap him out of it is the question it's it's good and bad news because the good news is he's not this bad but the bad news is why is he in such a funk and and what can you do to get him out of it Uh, I think what LaFleur did against Houston was a step in the right direction struggled early missing guys lack of touch and I know I've seen better touch from him in in college uh, even in August even against Carolina I keep saying this, it seems like week two, Bill Belichick, and I hate this narrative that Bill Belichick screws quarterbacks, which he does, but I hate how it's grown to such a large degree. But I feel like week two is when everything switched. And he's just been in his own head since. Uh, so so the inaccuracies are there based on the mental stuff that's happening right now. Uh, coming out in the third quarter, he simplified it. it. I think it was a one-man route on that first completion play action at Elijah Moore. I believe it was first down too. Uh, than the second completion to Elijah Moore it it was a more complex route and I think Houston ran a cover six so credit Wilson for reading that but you know LaFleur is doing everything right and uh, I think that's the big takeaway
0: yeah the the Zach stuff is frustrating in part but it's also um, I think me and and we've talked about this a a bunch and I've talked about this a lot of people I don't have any expectation right now Um, it's frustrating that he hasn't really outside of seven quarters i'd give him total this year um you know summit second half of carolina third three quarters of tennessee and probably two quarters of this game hasn't really looked good um he's actually pretty awful he's always probably been the worst starting quarterback outside of those seven quarters but Mm -hmm. um a couple of factors one all these rookies have been pretty awful um trevor lawrence has thrown one touchdown his last six games Justin Fields had the same stat line as Zach Wilson in a similar situation. um, He's almost in a different situation just because of the head coach and things of that nature. But he's got more talent around him probably, um, just not a good staff. Um, And then you obviously look at Mac Jones and people are, you know, the comparisons, it's frustrating. You watch the Patriots stuff and you get frustrated. But, you know, Jacoby Brissett looked like a pretty legit guy in that offense too without experience. And so did uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So while I want to give Mac credit, I also don't want to go overboard. So the Zach stuff, I – slow starts have happened every week it's one to six one to seven every week it doesn't matter who the opponent is doesn't matter who's in the booth who's not in the booth who's out there who's not it's just the same stuff even the titans game which we forget everyone forget, Zach was the rookie of the week and he was pretty awesome in that game um he still missed three or four throws early and then he missed that one to steal the game to corey so like there is the ups and downs of a rookie but he has responded well i just think that people have to like Sam used to like once he sputtered it was over and like that's where like that was this frustration with Sam is like any adversity is gone Zach I almost feel like thrives when the adversity is there which is a good thing but um, you can't be starting you can't give teams 14 points early um, I want to get your quick take on the interception because I've seen a lot of discourse on what you know on film we both watched it it didn't look as bad but I still think slide for the four yards like you're it's third and 17 punt in your own end zone you know out of your own end zone what are your thoughts on that interception
1: yeah and to your point your overarching point you're exactly right you don't want to go too crazy I mean listen he's still a rookie he's only played a handful of games don't go too crazy and, and that's where people run into trouble you know when you see you know someone bring up a coaching point or hey you should have done this that doesn't mean he's a failure and he's going to be a failure you just got to keep it in perspective he, he's got the goods it's just a matter of figuring it out mentally the interception you're right the way lovey was playing houston was playing it was really lagged third and 17 that's where the quarterback mind needs to take over in terms of interlinking each unit and just living to you know play the play to live another day uh so yeah pick up some yards slide but you know save for the situation if the situation's not thought about not included it's just one of those miscommunication plays. You know, you're trying to make something happen. Ty Johnson's looking at the ball. When he flips it, it's unfortunate. But you're right. When the situation's factored in, which is critical, which is
0: everything, you got to play it a little safer. And it's, it's interesting because earlier in the game, or actually it was after that, like he, he learned, like again, learned, I'm down by the goal line. I know Dan Ross, kind of did a breakdown on it and people felt one way or another. That's not the point. The point is like, he did throw the ball away, even though he missed the guy, you know, he might've had somebody open. He still, um, he threw it away and learned, which is a good thing. But um, there was two other plays I wanted to kind of get your insight on. One, um, the player he fumbled. I, I've watched this clip like 30 times and I really feel like a confident Zach Wilson that's feeling himself hits Elijah Moore in timing, and that's a 10, 15, 20-yard game, maybe a house call if Elijah breaks a tackle. Zach, like, did everything right from a read perspective, it felt like, and just got, like, and just, like, double clutch for a second. In the NFL, you can't do that. He gets sacked, gets a 4-2 disbounce for not fumbling. And then the second play um, – actually, we'll go with that one first, and then we'll go to the goal line, play down by the goal line, which I know you uh, you know have had uh, a lot of conversations around let's
1: go with the goal line first oh, go go, go first because, go, go because on first cuz i want to watch the fumble one again
0: what in oh, real yeah. time yeah
1: the uh the goal line one with the the Elijah Moore whip route right yeah yeah it's listen making that play is an all all world play it, that's a all world anticipation and touch quarterback play no one's denying that it, the key takeaway to me is Elijah Moore, he's the first read, he's ISO, and you're seeing a lot more of that too, where, he, where is putting him in ISO situations, but he's not trusting his eyes in terms of reading the leverage. If you look at the play, the way Moore ran the route, it, the hips were completely turned in, even beyond turned in, more in a, in a, in a 45 degree angle towards the uh, right flag, the right back pylon. So if you read that leverage, you're thinking about, as a quarterback, you're thinking about loading it up and throwing it right when the break happens and even put touch on it and and try to lead him towards the front left pylon. That wasn't in his head whatsoever. He wanted to see it open first. Now, the number one culprit on the play is the protection, obviously, because if the protection's there, he hits Cole on the backside over or slant, whatever you want to call it. So keep it in perspective. The protection's the number one thing. Number two thing is Wilson just not anticipating like we know he can. And that's the other thing. We've seen him anticipate he can do it. It just comes down to confidence.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting that the thing with the, that play down by the goal line, which was, I guess, and again, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like, you'd like to see anticipation. You'd like to see the confidence. Um I like that he didn't force it when, like, he could have, you know, quite easily forced that play. And then, you know, he throws a pick down by the goal line, and it's like, Jesus Christ, like, you can't be late. You can't be late there. But at the same time, you don't have to be late if you just are confident and pull the trigger, right? So it's like it both things go hand in hand. Um, uh, while you're watching the uh, while you're watching the Elijah Moore one, the only my only issue with this play was just simply that like he's a guy that can make this throw easily. He has the velocity to do it. He has the timing, the athleticism to do it. He's the he does it. like if you guys watch this play, I feel like he does a great job. He looks off the linebacker quickly, three step drop, and bang! If he just plants and fires. Um, that's a, that's a good, that's a great game there. Elijah Moore runs a, a beautiful route. Yeah. The safety is buzzing down, but um, Zach has the velocity to get that in there. I just feel like he double clutches and he's not confident in himself at the moment. And then you see, you know, see a play where, you know, that could be a turnover and the jets end up getting points out of the drive and it's great, but that's again, like, just, just rip it, grip it and rip it and like, go with your, like, go with your instincts. Like he's good enough to do this stuff. It's not as if there's not talent or the the brains to do it.
1: Yeah. And you played, I mean, the worst thing you could do as an athlete, it doesn't matter at any level, uh, but it's worse at the, at the highest level, is is think while playing. You know, when you're shooting a three, you can't think about shooting a three. You, you just have to react. You just have to – It's it needs to be mechanical. It needs to be – your thought needs to be this ball's going in because the moment you start thinking about it and start doubting yourself, everything starts falling apart. Uh, thinking is reserved for during the week, you know, in preparation, which Wilson is tremendous at. I just wonder if he's overthinking it maybe during the week a little too much. I don't know. But that's the thing. He's just not confident. It it comes down to confidence. And as a coaching staff, you got to make sure he's not so afraid of killing his team, you know, a la Sanchez, because I think that hurt Sanchez a lot. You know, Sanchez had other problems, too. But that was a big problem with the defensive first mindset of the coaching staff. It's a, it's a fine tightrope. Between that, not killing him, not killing his opportunities, his chances, and going too reckless.
0: So how they navigate it is going to be interesting. One other thing I want to touch on with Zach, and this kind of gets, we'll start getting into the preview a little bit of, of this Eagles game. He started awful pretty much every single game. This Jets offense outside of a couple of drives, um, you know, the Cincinnati game really is the one that stands out. But other than that, like I and the New England game, I guess, the second drive, they got going a little bit before, um, you know, before Zach got hurt. But they can't seem to start fast. Um, It's almost like this coaching staff, when they're not on script, both defensively and offensively, like, adjust really well, which is a compliment to the staff. And I think these guys are savvy, you know, savvy – um, a savvy staff in that sense. But what do you think needs to change for them to get this offense rolling? I know people – got upset at rich for asking yesterday, but like, it's a legitimate question. Zach, even his best games has not played well in the first quarter. It's like, he can't complete a pass and then takes a few hits and snaps into it. Um, How do they, how would you try to get him rolling early, uh, early and often on Sunday? I I keep allowing
1: him to operate at a first down, keep giving him those first down chances because the worst thing you could do is get yourself in third and bad situations for a young quarterback. Now, is it as simple as that? No, because it depends on whether or not you could, you feel you could run against the front, like against Houston, they could run, they could run all day, so they did the right thing. Uh, even though Lafleur did give them opportunities on first down, which I loved, but against the Eagles, I think that's going to be a big thing. Let them, let them free on first down, keep it simple, especially early, you know, the first few series, first down, first down, first down, let them go, and then kind of evaluate after that and see where you're at.
0: Yeah, the, the Eagles are the Eagles are an interesting defense. Um, I feel like up front there, they're pretty damn good. Um, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves of the world. And you got Josh Schwed, Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett, by the way, the most penalized uh, at, at defensive lineman in football. So Is he? yeah, know. yeah. And it's like every week. Um, he's the Nate Shepard on their team of like, he's much better, obviously, but he's the same where like, you just know when he's on the field, there's going to be a penalty at some point. Um, I'm curious if the Jets were going to be able to actually draw a rough in the passer call. Cause I know one's coming on Sunday. There's no doubt about that. And um, I don't want to get too deep into the, the offensive line protecting Zach or these quarterbacks or not. Um, I'll, I'll say on that topic is I don't need hands thrown and I don't need people choking other guys out and getting stupid penalties, but there needs to be a little bit more of a, uh, team first mindset from that group as a whole and not playing for yourself and your your individual career because um, it's not a good look and other teams and other staffs, uh, all other 31 teams that watch film do see this stuff um, and I would be if I was myself in that position, I would be very cautious of being labeled as a guy who does not play, um, does not defend your quarterback. I think that's a bad place to be in the I NFL. I agree with that. And what's interesting is defensively, I think they have the opposite problem sometimes where they're all up with, like they defend Zach all the time. Sheldon Rankage is like going to die on the sword of Zach Wilson. Yeah. And i on top of that, they, they defensively, where they get into trouble, like the Colts game, for instance,
1: the Pats game, they start playing hero ball, they start freelancing. They're not, they don't focus on their one individual responsibility. So in a in a way they're playing selflessly more, but it's hurting the team. You know, defensively, you got to do, you have to focus on your one responsibility, your read, and because that's the way a defensive unit functions. Uh, most importantly, and I'm looking at the uh, fumble play, by the way, too. Yeah, it's just, it's right before the end of the first half, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just a matter of it's just a matter of confidence again. I mean, he feels the pressure. He knows it's coming uh houston shows six they only rush four it's either it's either a cover one or cover three so it's man with one deep it it, like it's like we're talking about it's it's just a matter of confidence and and he's not pulling the trigger unless he's absolutely safe most of the time and he just can't do that in the nfl
0: (laughs) no yeah you cannot doesn't matter how much talent you have um Obviously, we mentioned. Look, the Eagles play a lot of soft zone. They've started to blitz more um, as the the season's gone on, which I think um, they're going to run a lot of stunts. It's the one thing that, um, quite frankly, the reason I think I'm I'm leaning towards picking the Eagles is strictly because the interior defensive line. And look, this is I'm really excited to watch AVT on Sunday. Um, and this is not me calling AVT out anyway. He did not practice all camp, and he first came back and he and Fletcher Cox tossed him around like a rag doll, got in his face, was talking a ton of trash. You were there, I was there. It was pretty it was pretty evident Fletcher Cox was like, welcome to the league. Um, Fletcher Cox does that to everybody. So I'm not, it's not an indictment at AVT in any way, shape or form. Do not get sensitive Jets fans. Like it's just, it's a fact, but there's an opportunity now with 12 games under his belt or 10 games or 11 games under his belt to be like, no, I got this. Like I'm going to be able to take this over and communicate and kind of cement myself here. Um, I think it's a huge test for LDT. I think it's a huge test for Connor McGovern. Can they communicate properly because the Denver game to me stands out big time Carolina as well. We're like, They just ran a million stunts and were like, stop us. And the Jets finally did in Carolina and they scored points. But um, what are you expecting offensively from the Jets on Sunday? How do they, you know, outside Darius Slay, I don't think the rest of the unit's very good, Um, but that defensive line and Darius Slay are no joke. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, like you said. I
1: mean, here's the good thing. They finally have confidence on the ground, right? This is the first time all year where they can really say, hey, we did a number on a team and it doesn't matter how bad Houston is. I mean, it does matter, but in terms of competence, they have that going into the game. So whether that carries over as a unit, you know, the five, same five guys too, pretty much is going to be a big thing. And what they do in terms of Fletcher Cox specifically is going to be another you know thing to focus on. Uh, AVT. We all know he's incredible. His athleticism for his size is ridiculous, but more importantly, his mentality Is spot on. You need that mentality as an offensive lineman where you're going to say to yourself, You are my enemy and I'm going to bury you on this day. And those are the guys who really separate themselves. I think ABT's that. Again, it's that tightrope, that walk in that tightrope. What does the floor do early? Does he go back to the Shanahan way where he thinks and he believes his offensive line can get it done? and set up third and manageable or second and good for Zach Wilson? Or does he let it, let it free on first down and then reevaluate? That's, that's going to be a very interesting thing. I think it's going to be the latter. I I think he's moved towards, we got to get Zach Wilson going. And if our quarterback isn't going and feeling right.
0: Then we'll go back to the right game.
1: Yeah. Nothing we do on the ground is going to work anyway. I mean, against Houston, (laughs) sure. But other teams, no. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do, to see how much Philly blitzes, that defensive coordinator. Uh, Gannon doesn't really blitz much. Like you said, they've been blitzing a little bit more. So uh, we'll see. And we'll see how far they stay away from
0: Slay, too, and what they do in terms of covering Elijah Moore. Yeah, I was just going to ask two two-part question, or kind of comment, and then the – not like – my biggest, you know, I kind of went on a rant about this on a couple of different shows this week, but look, the Jets beating Houston, um, we can talk all the trash as a, as a Jets fan or covering the Jets, you want to bet Houston. People look at the Jets the same way they look at Houston um, until uh, until otherwise, and the Jets had to, went on the road and won a football game against a team with the same record as them. Yeah. I know the Texans are a mess, but like the Jets could be, you could look at the Jets and say the same thing. I know that's not the truth, and if you evaluate it further, you obviously see that, um, but Let's just pump the brakes on like, oh, the Jets only beat the Texans. Cool. Well, the Jets haven't won a road game in like a year and a half. So I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, it's yeah. important to win. When people are calling the Jets the worst team in the league by far, and it's pretty much their own fans and the media
1: doing that and going overboard, there are times when the fans deserve one or two. You know, you beat a team on the road. A road a road win in the NFL is impressive no matter who the team is. I mean, how impressive is up to you to decide. But <laughs> I, I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah. No, it's like you beat good teams and people are annoyed that Mike White beat them. Then you beat, you know, you beat a bad team and you're pissed Zach Wilson managed the game at the end and whatever. But um, first time since the Jets since 2018 came back from double digits on the road. So that's a whole nother discussion. But um obviously Elijah Moore is kind of the there's no, as to me is wide receiver one I think I've you know, I've seen you talk about this as well he's he's the pretty cemented wide receiver one obviously Corey Davis is up in the air at this moment Friday um mm-hmm. you know whether he plays he practiced today and apparently looks fine um but did not hasn't practiced really in like a week and a half so it's if anything maybe he's a limited rep guy Denzel Mims is back Keelan Cole is out um how do you think the Jets kind of rotate through these guys and do you see this the uh the Eagles kind of just throwing Darius Slay out there. He doesn't really travel, but you see them try to travel with Elijah because Xavier Howard got cooked and he's probably he's a better corner than Darius Slay, in my opinion.
1: I, I think they won't travel initially, but you know, if they if Wilson does enough early on, I think they'll adjust. If I had to guess right now, that's what I think they'll start out in. Um and especially if Corey Davis plays. I think Corey Davis is going to be a game time decision right now, but he's leaning towards playing, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't there today, but I think I saw DJ say that. Uh, game time decision. So
0: I don't think he'll travel initially, but they'll they'll have to adjust. Yeah, they, I'm I'm interested to see like look and you're you know you're you're at camp every day. I was at camp a lot, and the Denzel Mim stuff was tough to kind of handle from the outside perspective if you weren't there because it's like. Look, this guy flashes in games and obviously he's had a couple of moments this year, but um, at the same time, and it's not me being hypercritical of Denzel because I think he is a really hard worker and everything I've heard from people around him is he's a hard worker. He's trying to be good. He's got all the attributes. Um, You know, my stuff is more in his route running and getting off press and and little things. Um, But at the same time, the opportunity in Cincinnati, people drop balls. It happens, but Mm -hmm. like you drop a touchdown when you're trying to cement yourself in the rotation, the Colts game, five targets and there's two and a half, I mean, you can give them three drops or two drops, whatever, however you want to phrase it, you drop 60% of your passes. It's people are going to, this coaching staff is what's important and sours on them. And what I'd like to see from Mims, and then I'll I'll get to you, obviously, if people who are familiar with the Shanahan doghouse, um, a lot of that stuff is going to be, you know, be with the Jets. And and we've seen that with Enzo Mims so far, right? You've seen um, a lot of tendencies, Kyle and Mike and, and that, and the floor brothers, all this different stuff. Brand Ayuk was in this doghouse, who's a more proven same second-year guy, very similar actually to Denzel Mims in a lot of senses. He got himself not only out of the doghouse, but he started just kicking people's asses in the run game. He is he's one physical dude. And Denzel Mims could do the same thing. And I'd love to see on Sunday, when they if they run the ball early, put someone in the turf, like put a corner on their ass early. And be like, I'm, I'm. I'll do whatever it takes to get on the field. That's how you start to earn some trust from the staff. How do you? How do you feel about Mims kind of right now? And if he can make an impact, if at all, uh, you know, on Sunday.
1: Well, Mims, it's such a fascinating topic, right? It's like the perfect storm. It, when you're a fan base and you're just aching for weapons and playmakers, you hold on. To, you, you'll hold on to guys more. And he's a second round talent. It was late second round, but he's a second round talent. Uh, he dropped in draft in the draft. He even held out. Jets fans wanted him. Douglas traded down. Douglas traded down and still got him. So it's the perfect storm. Also Jets history of second round receivers is not good. So Jets fans really want this guy to be great. So it's the perfect storm. Like you said, too, he's a great run blocker. I, I, I hope he gets a chance this Sunday. They could use him. Obviously it depends on what happens with Corey Davis. You know, if Corey Davis is not playing, I, I would expect Mims to be outside and then a rotation of the other three guys, obviously more out there too, doing his thing. Uh, but that's another thing. You can't put more slot exclusive. I hear, a lot, I hear a lot about this. Slot exclusive for more. Listen, in this offense, you got to play multiple positions and you want more to be free, uh, to run motion, jet motion, orbit motion, do things, do specific things on particular plays. Uh, so, does Mims play? I don't know. I hope so, because I do love how he gets after it in the run game. And, and I still think, listen, even though it's been a tough year, he still has a lot of talent. He's still really young.
0: So he's a valuable asset. And I think people shouldn't lose sight of that. Yeah. Look, he's a 22 year old kid and he's in year two. He's had a tough break of injuries and the salmon stuff and he's got COVID. And it's like, it's, it's been tough, but you got six games similar to, you know, what we might see with back Becton, if he, if and when he comes back, you know, you get a couple games under your belt, you look at Zach Wilson, you look at a lot of these guys, right? Or, um, you know, and Ashton Davis, who I think has been playing much, much better week over week, the reps like start, look like they're start, his, he started to slow down a little bit in a good way. I think he was playing fast and like not a good way. Um, and safety is a tough position. But it, like if Ashton Davis has another five, six good games where he starts to stack them together, now you feel a little bit better about Ashton Davis in year three than going we need. Two new safeties plus two new depth guys. Um, offensively for the Eagles, are you? Are you plus, going with with the that men's, plus with Mims, plus with Mims, to play just simply because of the Philly comment. Yeah. No, Let's <laughs> <laughs> see yeah. what happens there. Yeah. No. I. It's. <laughs> it'll be. It'll be interesting. The Eagles are, have been kind of in between, you know, they've been holding out in terms of when people are listening to this, Jalen Hurts might get announced he's playing or not. Um, As Mm of, you know, mid-afternoon Friday, he's up in the air. Usually that's a sign that he's not going to play. Jalen Hurts obviously adds the second leading uh, quarterback rush in the NFL. He obviously adds a ton in the run game. He has got, he's had some games where he's looked good through the air and there's some other games where like last week where it's an unmitigated disaster. Gardner-Mintree beat the Jets two years ago. He's a guy that's, you know, the Ryan Fitzpatrick-ish, you know, you don't know what kind of gardner Mintry you're going to get. Yeah. Who do you think is a better matchup for the Jets, A? And then, B, um, how do you think this defense can slow down the best rushing attack, you know, them and the Ravens in the NFL? It's such a tough call because what's the Jets' strength defensively? I, being some games, they can kick, you know, kick other offensive lines' ass a little bit up front, and TJ yeah. Mosley and Quincy fly around sometimes.
1: They should be able to, but then the I think what happens is the the scheme comes back to bite them in the ass sometimes. When, when offenses run longer developing, you know, misdirection type runs, gap principled runs instead of zone, it, it hurts them sometimes because this solid defense is an attacking 4 3. You know, one gap defense. So if you go too far downhill and you're not responsible, you're not thinking, okay, what is the offense trying to do to us? Because yeah, we know the the run plays that they're calling, but not every run call is the same. You know, backside has to stay home a lot more in longer when you're facing teams that try to hit you from a longer developing perspective, which Philly does a lot. So I don't know. I think Minshew might be the better matchup only because. Eagles can run the hell out of the ball. So if Hertz is in there and Hertz is that extra X factor where, you know, you got to pay attention to him. You have to be responsible for him on every run play. That puts a lot of pressure on JFM on the edge and whoever else is playing the other edge rotating. And you really don't want that. You want them to be a lot freer and JFM for what, what he's good, you know, he could, he's really an interior guy, even though he's playing the outside. And I think the plan coming into the year was having him play everywhere, play interior, play outside. But the injuries with Lawson, Curry, and Huff now have, have hurt that. So I think Minchu, just for the simple fact, they, they won't have to adjust the defense so, so harshly. Because if it's Hurts, you know, I'm playing one deep, I'm getting that extra guy in the box nearly every play until Hurts proves he could beat me downfield.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, look, and, yeah, I was going to say, Jalen Rager hasn't exactly had a start to his career. You think Eagles fans are – I mean, Jets fans are known as Denzel Mims.
1: Right. Oof,
0: I've been on a couple Eagles shows this talent. week. He's super talented, but when you have Justin Jefferson and you know, Chase Claypool and all these guys after him, it's yeah. Pittman and Von Jeff – it's just like, oof, it's it's ugly. Um, it's ugly, but, um, and, you know, obviously we talk a little bit about both sides of the ball. I'm going to give you a scenario. If X happens, the Jets win the football game. And if X happens for the Eagles, the Eagles will win the football game. Okay. So if we go, we'll go Jets first. If the Jets win, if the Jets get a win on Sunday, it'll be because X happened.
1: It'll be because their, their run fits are buttoned up. It'll be because the front is actually um, focusing, honing in on their each person is honing in on their individual read.
0: All right, I'm going to go with if Zach Wilson throws two plus touchdowns, the Jets win uh, two or two, you know, two, more than two. Um, I think they went on Sunday because that means they're probably moving the ball pretty effectively. Um, Zach Wilson's in a good rhythm. He probably has to start relatively early and the games where he's thrown two touchdowns, the Jets have either, you know, have been twice and they lost 19 to 14 and, and probably would have won that game if they get the the one holding call on the Jets sweep to McCaffrey. And then um, they obviously beat the Titans. If thing X happens for the Eagles, the Eagles, who are seven point favorites on the road for a second straight week, uh, win.
1: I'll stay with the same theme. If they if they run over for 100, 125 yards,
0: yeah, it's I think for me, it's if the Eagles don't turn the ball over, um, one or less turnovers, they're going to probably win pretty handily. Uh, if you look at the games where they've they cooked New Orleans. Um, which was – it's crazy to think about how stout New Orleans was last night on Thursday Night Football, you know, facing like four or five turnovers, maybe our best offense in football or one of the best offenses. And it felt like outside of the one big run, like, they stifled Dallas. And then the Eagles, you know, threw 40 on them. And um, the Bills obviously put up a ton of points. The Bills put up points on everybody. But the Eagles – I think the Eagles win if they don't turn the ball over. I just really feel like that offense, if you're – the way they run the ball, um, the way – they're not prolific through the air, obviously. I think Jalen Hurts has two 300 yard games. Um, I may be mistaken, it might be one more. They're gonna If you turn the ball over, the Jets fans know if you play good defense and you run the ball, all those, you know, most of those really good Jets teams are pretty damn much our whole lives is when you turn the when Sanchez had three picks, like you weren't winning or two fumbles or whatever. So, do you have any <laughs> Jets, do you have any Jets Eagles memories? Because yeah, there's only been it. 11 matchups and they haven't really been great. <laughs>
1: And that's why it's so fascinating, too, if, if Minchu plays, is that it hurts, because everything changes drastically. Um, any Jets, Eagles memories? Uh, that's a good question. I think I remember, what was it, the game, when they were in their Titans uniforms, where, who was it, Curtis, the receiver for Philly? Uh, he had a huge game against them like 10 years ago 10
0: 11 years ago and that just sticks in my mind every time i think of jets eagles probably the uh might be the 2011 game which was just the worst that game i don't think we knew at the time but like it all fell apart after that game yeah it was the titans i'm looking at it right now yeah it's what an ugly what an ugly game that was beginning of the end and then
1: you know the victor cruz play just cemented it and then boom the the roster just kept deteriorating
0: from there. Yeah, Eric Smith couldn't couldn't catch him, and then the uh, disaster in Miami. We'll finish we'll finish you off with this. What are your? I guess we'll just do we'll do two quick one. You know, two more quick ones here. What are you? What would you like to see from Zach over the next six games? Um, to have you feel pretty good going into year two, like the Jets could take a pretty big win leap. Obviously, of the rest of the roster aside, like what how like how good does Zach have to play for you to feel like? all right, I feel pretty good about him right now. I think it's it's a matter of, is it a stats? It's it's just a matter of uh, mindset
1: and confidence. If I could see him take a deep breath at some point and not lose that, it doesn't have to be a monumental leap, j- just something where you say, okay, he's within himself now. He he looks comfortable. If that happens and he rides in
0: and out, I'll feel really good going into next year. We'll we'll finish with this one. I'm on the same page here, I think. Stats are, stats are tough. Sam Darnold's the highest rated QBR over the last month of his rookie year. And looking at it in hindsight, I think what something that was important with this Houston game was the Jets, even though it's greatest Sam played in those games, which if you look back, he was really, really good. Like there's he was. He was. the Packers game was probably the most fun Jets game outside of like, you know, some of the random wins here or there. they like a Jets loss. Like you couldn't ask for anything better in that situation. Um, now I'm like a diehard Rodgers guy. He's going to win the MVP, in my opinion, again this year. Um, but The Jets won in spite of their quarterback, which they very rarely have been able to do um, in a lot of these years. And I think if you can see some games where they win because of Zach, similar to Tennessee, in my opinion, obviously the D line was fantastic and whatever, but they won because Zach was awesome that second half. That's the stuff you all I'd like to see, like to see maybe one or two games where they win win because of Zach or like Zach was like trying to put them on his back a little bit. But also just the confidence you mentioned, I think is super, super important.
1: No, it's a very good point. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. That would be tremendous, where he he comes up huge in a moment, in a game, in a second half, where it allows him to feel a lot more comfortable moving
0: forward. Lastly, is there one guy outside of Zach Wilson that you're really excited to watch over these six games that can either take a leap to being a legitimate stud or somebody that's a fringe roster guy or a fringe starter that can kind of set themselves in a good trajectory going into 2022? uh we'll go with the
1: two Elijahs Elijah Moore obviously we know what he is but can he keep moving up the up the ladder uh, everyone thinks yes and I don't I don't see no I don't see a reason why he wouldn't and then Elijah Riley defensively he's not flashy uh, I don't know where Douglas found this kid army products uh from Philly using those Philly connections I assume he's just smart he's not flashy but he's very smart I still got to watch more film on him in Houston, specifically looking at him, but him and Ashton Davis, I mean, Ashton Davis still some, he's very athletic. It's some of the instincts he's missing Ashton Davis, but it's the opposite with Riley. Riley has the instincts. Riley's smart. He works well within certain situations, certain schemes, certain plays. So I think that moving forward, seeing where that leads, seeing that leads to the box score and and certain things in terms of visuals on TV
0: is a really big thing moving forward because if you find something in this kid at safety, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Then it, it makes either, you know, retaining Marcus May, maybe on a, a second, you know, second year deal, where he's rehabbing and refranchise tagging, which is what I think they should do. Um, and you roll again with maybe another draft pick, Elijah Riley, Ashton and Marcus May and that, and you've upgraded the rest of the roster. I think you're in a much better situation for me, the two guys I'm, I'm most interested to see over these next six games. Um, one of them is going to be, I was going to go with Ashton Davis. We kind of just talked about the safeties. I think again, he still makes one or two plays a game where he takes a bad angle or his eyes, you know, he doesn't feel the game, but like he's a walk on a cow. He's played football for literally like seven years of his life. And he's like, he's probably the best athlete on their team. Um, like a pure chest athlete. Um, if he and can that's start the yeah. that's, that's the best thing about him he's a, he's a hard worker who, yeah. who improves each day and then that, that's what you want yeah and like I just I've noticed some plays he look he's created four turnovers um him and CJ Mosey I believe um and maybe maybe I'm missing one guy like have created the most turnovers. so um and then the other guy's Quincy Williams and I know anyone that follows me on Twitter knows I was not a fan or listens to the podcast I was I was pretty harsh on Quincy the first two weeks and I I was really disappointed in in Joe Douglas having a second waiver claim in the entire league and could have claimed as many guys as possible. He claims Tim Ward and Quincy Williams. I'm like, God, man, like there's, there's a really good chance here for them to address some, some real needs. And I, I didn't, I knew off ball linebacker was a need, but I just felt like Quincy was overdrafted and Jacksonville was a mess. And like, and then the Tennessee game happens. I'm like, eh, It was really cool. But like one game, they didn't have any receivers. It's, you know, Derek Henry and yeah, it's hard to tackle, but it's perfect for Quincy just sideline to sideline just hit people. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, after the Denver game, all of a sudden it's like he started to like really like play really good football. And I think being next to CJ mostly helps him for sure because he can kind of just be like a that out of hell and just try to hit people and run million miles an hour. And CJ's got to think, uh, by the way, CJ looks so much healthier than he did weeks like eight through 10. He looked like he kind of hit a wall there. Yeah. So, but no, Quincy, like if Quincy can continue to play well. it again, these guys like making it so the jets do not need to overly address and overly spend at certain positions, like off-ball linebacker or safety can help them invest more in offensive line receiver corner edge positions where I feel like, they need to address early in the draft maybe you can wait till day 3 for an offball linebacker and safety how what's what's your quincy williams uh, opinion i saw you smiling when i brought him up I, I, so i kind of felt the same way initially
1: and you know there are times where he's he's late it, it, again it's the instincts thing but he is he's willing to sell out on every play and the athleticism there's there's something there where you want to see more so i'm, I'm in agreement with you 100% let me ask you this though draft right now as it stands what position
0: would you prefer all things being equal what position would you prefer with that first pick I want them if they're in the top five to go if they can get one of the in Hutchison or Kayvon Thibodeau I want them to draft them and just and run the card up if you can get either one if not I'd like them to trade back with one of the two top 10 picks this is a cop-out answer but I think unless you're in like the eight through like 15 range I, I don't know that i'd love to see them draft an offensive lineman just in the aspect of like you've got a lot of money invested in tackle and you've got another first round pick coming back that i think people are like down on beckton and like he's not fat guys like robbie can attest to this if you see seen beckton in person there's not an ounce of fat on that guy he just like yeah he, he's had some issues yeah he's not uh, fat. He's, no. fat. he's not, fat. He's not fat. <laughs> it's, it's zion williams who might be fat uh guy <laughs> beckton is not fat um I would like to see edge be a priority. Um, at some point, I just think as good as Bryce Huff and, um, I, I, everyone knows I love Bryce Hoff and and John Franklin Myers, those guys is being like your gadget. We can move them anywhere and do a million things with them. And then you just solidify Carl Lawson, who, again, it's not hating on Carl Lawson, but he is a ticking time bomb at points and the jets found that out pretty quickly. Hopefully it'll be the same pattern where he stays healthy for a few years now, but Edge, um, interior offensive line needs to be addressed in the first two rounds unless they sign somebody. And then I genuinely really think they need to add another wide receiver. And if you can add a guy like a Garrett Wilson or someone of that stature and Olave or whoever the Jets preference might be, and I have to watch more film on these guys, mm-hmm. obviously. I think if you go into the season, your, your roster has three legitimate guys who you could argue could be a one on a team. Yeah. And then like Denzel Mims and One of Kohler, Crowder, or Barrios is your five, like or four. Like, whoa. Now we're talking like tight end's the other one, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Tight end has got to be addressed, whether it's through Dalton Schultz, a I was Dallas Goddard was a guy I was, you know, obviously campaigning for. I think anyone would, or you a Jeremy Rucker out of Long Island, you know, at Ohio State from Long Island. Like there's just I'm just not all about corner and tackle for me or positions that like I'm not sold the Jets need to invest like a top 10 pick in. Mm.
1: I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, in this league, yeah, you need weapons, you need corners, but I, I Michael Carter's a player out of the slot. He, Michael Carter's a player out of the slot. I think Hall is at number two easily. Uh, even Eccles has showed stuff. So that's a pleasant surprise that you really got to smile about if you're a Jets fan. Uh, but I'm on that train. Obviously, Thibodeau number one, Edge is huge. And Lawson, listen, you want Lawson, you hope Lawson could return but I'm, I'm of the mindset you really can't rely on a guy 100% if he misses misses one full year you know so you got to make sure you're good in that area and then whatever he provides is you know extra an extra bonus obviously he's slotted into start there's no question about that but you get the idea so yeah. I'm on but that track
0: would you i guess from the, from a draft perspective I just I think that like the Jets can go in so many different ways. And it's for the first time. Like the problem is, free agency is going to tell me a lot about what this team's going to look like. And if Joe Douglas is aggressive, then maybe they do trade back so that he can kind of balance it out and recoup an extra pick for next year and kind of move, you know, young talent down the line. The only, you know, off ball linebacker, again, is in safety positions where like in rounds, you know, two through five, you could address and not have to spend premium capital in. But like the Jets are going to have four top 40 picks where they end up, you know, Carolina's a mess right now. Um, I'm not sure Matt rules there next year, which is another whole issue of maybe Deshaun Watson is, and there's a million different things there, but I just feel like if you can add weapons, guys that are like special top tier players, you have to do so. And edge wide receiver and corner are the positions that like, you know, you inv- and obviously tackle as well, but the jets have invest, like you should not need three, four, five, first round picks, premium first round picks, at offensive line to have a good offensive line you just the packers this is my biggest example and i'll let you go i'm ranting right now but nah, the, the, pa- the packers had the best center in football last year walked they had yeah. david Battiari, the best tackle in football last year has not played a snap this year they've elton jenkins who was one of the top five or six tackles maybe top 15 whatever towards aco and they rogers doesn't get touched and they play in the nfc north so like if you develop these guys and you actually allocate assets properly you should be able to build around in and AVT and not be stressing about a third, fourth, or fifth guy. Again, Linderbaum's awesome. And if the Jets draft him, I will talk myself into it all day. But I just, he would not be priority one for me personally, as of December 3rd. And two things you can get interior offensive
1: line later in the draft as well. And Trey that, Smith. <laughs> and a knee drop, you know, geez. And number two, the quarterback covers up so much in terms of the offensive line. So the way I kind of look at it when building a program, you have to get the trenches to a certain level first. And that level doesn't have to be top of tops in the league. It just needs to be a, at a certain adequate level. Then the quarterback covers up a lot, you know, beyond that. And we're not at that stage yet where the quarterback's covering up the rest of what it could right now. So so I'm kind of with you I, in terms of what which position I favor number one. I don't know, but but I'm on your train in terms of what you were just speaking.
0: Yeah, I think, and look, you could trade back from, like, whatever, eight to 13 or something, like the Giants yeah. that you pick up next to first-round pick, and you still end up with Kyrie Elam or Andrew Booth or Sauce Gardner as a corner instead of Stingley, who hasn't been as good since his freshman year, and I know Jets fans don't want to hear that, and I'm sure he'll be a fantastic NFL player, but LSU guys and the Jets have not exactly clicked um, from a culture or a – uh, you know, the Mo Clayborns of the world, either it's nothing, uh, nothing personal. I just have horrible flashbacks. If you guys are not following Robbie on Twitter, make sure you're following Robbie, Robbie Sabo on Twitter. The Jet stuff is all over. Um, I assume anyone that's listening to this is also following you on Twitter. But, um, if you're not, um, social, you know, jetxfactor.com, you guys do a fantastic job trying to use numbers and, and analytics and all that different stuff in the film and put it all together and, and give, uh, give quality content
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's it's analytics we try to preach it like this analytics alone just doesn't do it you know, sometimes film alone doesn't do it even though i love film so we kind of try to marry the two ideas where where it supports each other um, we're also on google play and um, the app store too so you can just uh
0: search jedx mobile and uh you know find everything we put out on a daily basis we appreciate you appreciate you hopping on um Obviously, uh, you know hoping for a Jets victory on Sunday, get them to four and eight and get a little bit of momentum here. Most importantly, I guess for the Twitter discourse, if Zach Wilson could play well, uh, I think people would be far happier uh, than they were six days ago. Obviously we appreciate it as always Robbie and uh, you know we'll talk soon. All right, thanks we'll appreciate it.